So that passage that you just heard read is something that on the one hand, we could take that and talk a lot about evangelism from it, right? Evangelism. More, ge more generally, we could just talk about the importance of us relaying what we know about Jesus and the word of God to others. Because as you, as you might have heard there, as for what's going on here, just so we're all on the same page in John 4, it's that Jesus just, for the majority of this pretty famous chapter, he interacted with this Samaritan woman at the well. And in doing so, he, he showed her that he knew about her life and her sins, and yet he still loved her a lot and offered her this living water. And then finally, he basically reveals to her his grace and that he is the Messiah. And so that's most of chapter 4. And then in response to all of that, the Samaritan woman excitedly then leaves Jesus and she goes into her town and she starts telling people about him. Right? And so that's where we're picking up. She's gone into her town and because of that, look down again at verse 39, our, verse, our first verse that we're looking at this morning. Verse 39, the Bible says this, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. And so because of her telling people about Jesus, many people believe. It's amazing. And therefore, again, all of that said, on the one hand, we could look at this passage and mainly talk about evangelism, about the biblical importance of, of you and I taking what we know about Jesus, about God and the gospel, and, and lovingly relaying it to others. Right, for the glory of the Lord and so that people may come to know him. And that is absolutely true. But for this morning, that's not mainly what we're going to be talking about here as we look at this paragraph. Because that's definitely here. But if you notice, the Bible's narration of this passage doesn't end there. Rather, it progresses a bit further. Because think of this passage this way. So the Samaritan woman goes and tells others. And through what she says, many people believe, which again is incredible. And, and the passage really could have ended there. But it doesn't. Instead, then, then Jesus does something and then something else happens to these Samaritans. And so for what those things are, now let's actually just look at the rest of our passage this morning and see what happens next. So now, look down at actually all of verses 40 through 42. So when the Samaritans came to him, to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman... It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So the woman shares Jesus with others, but where does the account go from there? Well, let's just be clear. As you can see in verse 40, then Jesus himself goes and stays with these Samaritans. And then in verse 41, many more believe, quote, because of his, because of Jesus' word. Meaning it's now not just that the Samaritan woman told people about Jesus, but they heard it all about from Jesus himself, which then fascinatingly, though, leads to that climactic thing that's said in verse 42. And just, and just think about this. Th this didn't need to be quoted here in God's word. But it does seem that God, through John the writer, through these Samaritans, he wants to make this point clear for us. And so look again at verse 42 as we start. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. And so putting that passage together, if you're tracking, the Samaritan woman shares Jesus. But then Jesus comes directly to them and they hear from him. 
And therefore, really the main point of this passage is, and because of that, these Samaritans are then able to say, they gladly say, quote, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, but we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this is true. In other words, in this one paragraph, it goes from second-hand to first-hand belief and knowledge, right? You can see that. All because we have heard for ourselves. And really, church, that's the overall meaning and thrust of this passage. And from that, what we're all going to be talking about now this morning isn't mainly evangelism, but instead it's actually reading our Bibles. Reading our Bibles. Because as some of you know, each year here at ECC, this is our third year now, where at the very beginning of the year, we start with a really quick series on Bible reading and prayer. Bible reading and prayer. And we do so because reading our Bibles and praying, they aren't just things that we should do as Christians. But when we consider the fact that God is, is real, that he loves us, that he wants a deeper relationship with us, that he accomplished the gospel in Jesus to form that relationship with us, then we, we start to see that hearing from God in his word and, and speaking back to him in prayer is, of course, incredibly crucial for our Christian lives and just for how we live our lives in general. And so each year we start with a short series on Bible reading and prayer. And this year, our Bible reading passage is this one in John 4. And why? Well, because as you, as you might be tracking, it's because I do think that what we see here with these Samaritans is a good mini picture of why we should want to go and read God's word ourselves. Meaning, this story should encourage us to not just want to hear from others about God, but to hear from God himself in his word so that we're often able to say, it's, it's no longer just because I heard from someone else that I believe this thing, but I have heard for myself. But that's the goal. Because consider, I mean, for each one of us, it's one thing to hear from someone else something about God. Even, for example, from me here on Sunday morning. Right? And to be clear, hearing from someone else is definitely not a bad thing because God designed us to hear from other people about him. And in fact, it's God's plan that evangelism is a thing. It's God's intention that there be the church, that there be things like Bible studies and us talking to one another about God and teaching and preaching here on Sunday mornings. But then also at the same time, we each know it. What can really be a benefit to each of us is when we personally go to the source ourselves when we personally interact with Jesus in his word. And in basic, I hope you know, that is what we get to do when we read our Bibles. We get, we get to be people who don't just hear from others about God, as, as biblical and beneficial as that might be, but there's a specialness in going to the source, going to God himself as he speaks in his word. And basic, that is what happened with these Samaritans, and we want that for ourselves. Again, so that we can be people who say, it's really not just because I heard it from someone else, but I've heard myself and I know that this is true. All right, so that's our goal this morning, to look at this passage and apply it to our Bible reading. But that said, as for our outline, though, of how we'll be doing that, well, as you can probably tell, we've actually already covered this paragraph's main overall meaning and gist here. Because the Samaritan woman shares Jesus, then Jesus comes to them, and then they're able to say, hey, we've heard for ourselves. And so that is this passage in a nutshell. But still, in order for you and I to glean even more from what's here and to hopefully use this to excite us to read our Bibles, especially more in 2024, what we're going to do from here on out is we're going to talk about three things, three things from this passage that going to 
God's word ourselves does to us. Three things. And for each, we'll first, of course, get it directly from our passage. But then also, just so you know, throughout our time, we'll flip to a couple other Bible verses as well. So very simply, church, that's our outline this morning. Three things that going to God's word does for us. And for each, we'll see it here in John 4. And we'll go to some other places in the Bible. But all I said, let's just then dive in and begin our first section with our first thing that going to God's word ourself does to us. And for this, we're just going to look at verses 41 and 42 again, because I think this is intentionally written and recorded by John. And here's where we see our first thing. So again, verses 41 and 42. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. So the the first and really most obvious thing that hearing from Jesus themselves did for them back then and for us, what going to God's word ourselves can do for us is it helps our belief. Belief, our faith, if you prefer the noun, or probably the best English word is to say that it helps fuel our trusting in God, our trusting in God, our our relying on God personally, embracing who he is for Christ, who he is for us in Christ in our daily lives, our trust. And that's significant first here in this passage and really in this, this whole book, because just so you know, John the writer here himself tells us later in this book, in John chapter 21, that this whole book is written, quote, that you may believe, same word, that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. But not only that, but the writer John uses that verb to believe actually over a hundred times in this book. And so many people argue that the main theme of this whole Gospel of John book is people encountering Jesus and believing in Jesus. Not just believing that he exists, because of course he does, but believing in him. Believing in who he is as the king, the savior, and even the, the word who was with God and the word who is God. Believing that and banking their lives on him. And again, that's what happened here with these Samaritans. And it is interesting to focus on that believing aspect in this passage because remember, in verse 39, we're told that the, from the start that the Samaritan woman's already believed in a sense, the Samaritan people already believed in a sense because of the woman's testimony. They believed, quote, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And so if you think about it, many already did believe in Jesus. Right? Just like you and I can genuinely believe in Jesus from hearing from someone else. But again, you can feel it. The thrust of this passage though is, and yet they got to the point where they had a deeper and more personal belief because they were able to hear from Jesus himself. They were able to go to the source. And church, again, so it, so it is for us. It is one thing for, for you, for me, to, to hear from others about God, to talk to one another about our thoughts about God. And that can all really help our faith. But again, I hope we can all agree there's something special with going to the source. Even if we don't understand it all, which we won't, still engaging in God's word will give us a deeper belief, a more robust trust in the God who speaks here which is something we all want, right? So that's here in John 4, but now quickly, as I mentioned earlier, we're now going to go to another place in the Bible to see this reality, another place. And so for this, now if you can, quickly turn with me to Romans 10, Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 17, Romans 10, 17. You can keep a finger in John 4, we'll come back to it. And if you're using a pew Bible, this will be on page 946, 946. 
So Romans 10, 17, and this is a pretty famous verse, and you'll probably recognize this, but as you hear this, just notice the logic of this with me. Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Right? It's that simple. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So the, so the Bible is talking about faith in that verse, which is the same word as the verb believe that shows up three times in our passage. And here the Bible's point is clear. Faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ. And that's obvious, but it's pretty important. And so the point is clear. We can't just vaguely apparently say that we believe in Jesus. Say we have faith. Instead, what connects our faith with Jesus is hearing the word of Christ. Which means on the flip side that the less we hear the word of Christ, the less we'll be able to trust the person of Christ. Which makes sense. We need to hear from Jesus. We need to hear who he is and be reminded of what he's like and what he's done for us to more have a trust in him. All right, so that's, that's Romans 10 simply. And you can turn back to John 4 now if, if you want. You can turn back to John 4. And in some though, all of that really is our first section and the first thing that going directly to God's word does for us. It, it does fuel our faith, our trust in Jesus. And I know, especially on that section, that might have been pretty basic, right? Pretty basic. Let's all be honest. We probably could have seen that coming and since we know that that is pretty basic Christianity to talk about faith and about reading our Bibles. And so we probably get that. But what I hope you might be feeling a little bit more right now is that this, this talk about the importance of reading our Bible for our faith isn't just something we say though. Rather, it is because this is foundational to how we work, to how our faiths work. And so let's just be crystal clear. If you want to know Jesus more and actually be a Christian who more walks by faith and not by sight, and if you want to more consistently to be able to feel God's peace and his presence and trust him in whatever circumstances are thrown your way, well, then the Bible is clear. You have to go and listen to Jesus more. You and I have to make the Bible God's word because it's God who has decided to speak in a book. We have to make it such a thing where this is more consistently in our lives. And in fact, finally on this, one of my favorite quotes on this whole topic, which is actually on a, on a poster in my office now on the wall, is from the late pastor and defender of the faith, Francis Schaeffer. Francis Schaeffer, he said this about the Bible and I hope it's helpful. Quote, it is not only that we learn facts from the Bible, but it becomes our environment. We are surrounded with an environment that drags us away from God. As we read the Bible and live in it daily, it provides the totally opposite atmosphere, namely the real reality of the existence of God. End quote. And I love that quote for, for many reasons, but especially because that, that's what truly can happen when you and I more and more read God's word. If, if we live our lives only in the world and what's thrown at us, and if we kind of subtly sideline God's word, well, we'll sense this is God's word, doing that will drag us away from God. It'll, it'll be like trying to be close with a friend, but never having any real conversations with a friend. It can't work. It won't work. And so ignoring the Bible drags us slowly away from God, as Schaefer said. But then on the other hand, the more we engage with the Bible, it, quote, becomes our environment. 
the totally opposite atmosphere. Meaning we start to breathe in the Bible's view of things. We start to think more in line with God's thoughts. And all that draws us closer to God, fueling our our daily personal existential, if you like that word, trust and belief in God. Our reliance day in and day out on the living God, on the the God who is there, as, as Francis Schaeffer used to say. And so again, point number one this morning is that if you want more faith, Seriously, open your Bible more. Study it. No matter how much or how little you think you already know, just read it. What what we need to do is that simple and yet profoundly life-changing. Okay, so that's that's the first thing that going to God's Word does to us. But that now brings us to the second. This is also found in John 4. And again, I do think that this is very intentionally written and recorded by John. And now to see this one, Again, we're going to keep doing that this, this morning. We're going to look at this whole passage. And I, and I want us to read all of verses 39 through 42 again. Because as we already talked about, the word believe you're going to see is emphatic and shows up three times. But then, toward the very end of this passage, another similar but intentionally different verb shows up. And so just look for that as you hear this again. All of verses 39 through 42 again. Many Samaritans from that town believed... In Jesus, because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So hopefully you can hear it. You saw it there in verse 42. The next thing... That hearing from Jesus for themselves back then and the second thing that us going to God's word can more do to us is it further enables us to know that what we're believing is true. To know it. Again, you can see that in verse 42. Notice the subtle change. It's no longer that, it's not because just what you said that we believe, third time that word is used, we've heard and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. We know it. We don't just say we believe it, but we know it indeed. And now, here's where you and I just probably need to slow down and just make sure that we understand the distinction between these two words and ideas. The distinction between believing according to the Bible and knowing. Because listen up, because often, and, and maybe even especially in churches, we've, we've gotten this really wrong and it can really hurt us. Because as for the difference between believing and knowing... It is not, let me say it again, it is not that belief is without much reason and a leap while knowing is based on reason. That is not it. Especially biblically, that's not it. Instead, yes, in English now, belief can now in the English language carry this idea of a leap of faith, especially as our secular word uses the word a lot to talk about, about us as Christians and what they say we believe by faith. They think it means believing something in spite of evidence or without much evidence, right? They think that showing faith is like that in our culture. But hear me out. Biblically, faith does not mean that. The word believe, pisteo in Greek, does not mean a leap of faith. Rather, again, belief, faith, is actually a trust word, as we just talked about. Right? Belief is a word that's a relational word where you trust something or someone. It'd be, it'd be like me saying that I have faith that this stage is going to continue to hold me up for the next 20 minutes. 
Or better yet, it would be like me saying, I have faith in my wife. Right? That wouldn't be me leaping in the dark to a conclusion without much evidence. Like trusting her for no reason at all. In fact, it would actually be the opposite. I'd be saying that I trust her because I'm familiar with her. Right? It makes sense for me to trust her. And so hear me out. So it is biblically with our faith in God in Jesus. We trust Jesus and the gospel of Jesus because it really happened in history. Because in Jesus, God has clearly revealed who he is. Because we have good reason to believe that the gospel perfectly fulfills the deepest need of everyone in the world and the whole world altogether. And so that is faith. That's believing. So what about knowing then? What's the difference? Well, what's really interesting and often can be unnoticed by us as we just kind of quickly read our Bibles is that you can see the Bible writers often actually use the word know almost as synonymous for faith, but they do so to emphasize something slightly else. And what is it? What does knowing emphasize? Well, you, you could probably answer that, right? Because if faith is a trust word, a reliance word, where you say, I'm willingly banking myself on that thing or that person, then the difference is that no is more of a, a thinking word, right? an in intellect word, a knowledge word, obviously. And the point then is, I do think it is very substantial that that is one of the words used here by these Samaritans, especially in this gospel book that more so uses the word believe. They say, we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And brothers and sisters, that is substantial for us when we think about our Bible reading. Because we do read our Bibles not only to trust God more, that is absolutely true, but also we read to know. And not just know, meaning have more information, but to have more of what we trust in, to be things that we can totally point to and say, I know that's true. I know it. And so that's the second thing here in John 4. But now, before we even talk more about that, like with the previous thing, now we'll go to just one other Bible passage to look more at this, one other passage. And for this, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. This will be closer to the left in your Bibles. Keep a finger in John 4, Luke chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, this will be on page 855, 855. And I really do encourage you to go here. Keep a finger in John 4, but this is a really important passage to understand the Bible's view on this. And so Luke chapter 1, the very beginning. And we are going to read all of verses 1 through 4. And just so you know, this passage we're about to read actually doesn't use the verb to know. Instead, it actually uses the stronger verb to have certainty. And in this passage, Luke is writing a preface to his book. He's kind of explaining why he even wrote this book of Luke. And in that context, notice what he says. Luke 1, 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have declared them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So we could spend a lot of time on that, but you can see the point at the end there, right? Luke is clear. He's writing this book to a person named Theophilus, quote, so that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Certainty. And I, and I love that, and I hope you do too, because in short, that's then the second thing 
that going to God's word more can do for us. Because think about it. If you really want to know something is true, then it is almost always better to go and have a first-hand knowledge of it. Right, to go to the source. And going to God's word, church, at first might not seem that to us, but it is because this is God's word. That's what Jesus himself clearly taught us. And so as we go here, we ourselves more and more start to go to the source and know that this is true. It's all true. We can have more and more certainty. And now, on this topic of knowing, let me just quickly point out that this may especially be hard for us to hear and for you and I in this room to think is possible simply because the truth is we need to realize we are all living in, we're all born in a culture that is very strongly uh, influenced by skepticism. By skepticism. All of us in here have been born into a culture like that. And this matters, especially for a topic like this. Because this all slow down and just be honest that perhaps for some of us in here, Still, even though you might now know that the Bible uses language of certainty of, and knowledge all the time, still, we might actually be really thinking in our minds, really though, we can't actually know things that the Bible says, like that Jesus rose, or that God is real, or that I'm secure in God's love forever, or that Jesus is coming back. Can we really know that? And I've even heard really solid Christians say that sort of thing to me. But church, the truth is, we can know that. And it's the Bible, God's word, that uses that language. And the truth is, even in our daily lives, we do know a lot of things. And we totally can say we have certainty that things are even 100% true. Even though that, yes, from a very skeptical point of view, we could always, and I really do mean always be skeptical and doubtful and keep pushing back with questions and questioning everything. We always could do that. For example, if that's confusing, just stick with me here. Think of this. We could go the doubting, skeptical route with literally anything that someone might say they know. We really could with anything. For example, here, here's one. Someone could ask me, how do you know you're married to your wife, Danica? Right? In response to that, I could say, well, for one, I remember getting married. But then, it could be argued, but that might have all been just a dream. You imagined it. And then, in response to that, I could say, but, but she, I promise you, she remembers marrying me as well. And yet, to that, a skeptic could say, but she could believe it only now because you've told her about it so many times. Or, she could be in on it and she could be lying to you. Or, she could have dreamed it as well. But then, I could say, but we have witnesses, you know, a lot of other people were there as well, but a skeptic could say, but they could all be in on it, right? Or they're, they're lying to you, or they're, they only believe they were there because you told them they were there. But then I could say, well, we have a lot of pictures actually. And then a skeptic could say, well, those are all photoshopped, that's easy. You get the point. Literally with anything, we could always be doubtful and skeptical. For anything we genuinely know. I encourage you, try that for yourself. From a skeptical point of view, which we are all born into now, we could always question any knowledge. But listen up. That's honestly just weirdly some modern way of thinking. 
especially because of the influence of philosophers like Rene Descartes with his, his doubt about almost everything except for his belief that he must exist because at least he's thinking, right? That's what his, I think, therefore I am was getting at. And so skeptically, we can do that with all of our knowledge, but, but really, we all know that is not how we think or live our lives. We also know that is not how the universe actually works. There are things we can really know And not only that, but also, and and so importantly, listen up, let's be honest, we or others usually only pull out that sort of skepticism with things that we deep down really want to doubt. Like like people not wanting to admit that God is real, that he's the one who rules, that, that we're sinners and that Jesus is the only savior. And so church, instead of all of that skepticism, the truth is we do know a lot of things. For example, I know I'm married to Danica. (laughs) I know I married her over 10 years ago. I can prove that over and over. And importantly, this is really important, I am not being silly by using the language of knowing. Do you get that? Rather, I know it. It really happened. And, and, And so it is with our God and his word and the gospel of Jesus. We can really know That Jesus came 2,000 years ago. That he was God. He is God. That he lived. He died. He rose. He's coming back. That God is with us now by his spirit as he's told us. That he loves us as people. That he provides for us. We know these things. And again, if that's something that you think you couldn't say, well then, the Samaritans would say to you, or Luke would say to you, or we're saying here this morning, that's then another reason to go to God's word and read it more yourself. Because when you and I do, we can know more. We can have more certainty concerning the things we've been taught, which in itself leads us to more peace and more of a trust in God. And so those are the first two things that going to God's word does to us. That all finally is just to the third and last. And this will be our briefest. And for this, we won't go anywhere else in the New Testament. We'll just be in John 4. And so turn back to John 4 if you aren't there. Turn back to John 4. And we'll just one last time read verse 42. This is the last time. And for this, notice exactly what these Samaritans decide to say that they know. One last time, verse 42. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. So what is it that they say? Well, they say, quote, we know this is indeed the savior of the world. And now we could take that and we could say things is like, okay, the point then is that they heard from Jesus and so they actually knew he was the Messiah and that would be true here. Or we could apply that by saying more generally they knew Jesus was just the one to save them. Right? They use the word savior. That's true as well. But to go even deeper on our third thing and to see what I think is even more deeply being meant here by these Samaritans, we have to, we have to put ourselves in their shoes just for a minute to understand what they're saying, why this is such a big deal. Because remember, these are Samaritans who are saying this. Samaritans. And that's significant because if you know your New Testaments at all, you probably know that the Samaritans were those who lived in the mid to northern Israel and they were known as half-breeds at this time. And they had their own unbiblical temple that they decided to worship at. And finally, they were those who the quote-unquote faithful Jews who lived in Judea and Jerusalem were kind of disliked. They disliked them and they were despised. 
And that's then why Jesus, deciding to go and talk to a Samaritan woman at the well earlier in John 4 was such a big deal. And furthermore, that's then also why this statement of theirs, of how they know that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world, is such a big deal. Because what does that show us? Well, in some, it shows us that what they're saying here isn't just that they came to understand some factual truths about Jesus and about how he's the Savior. Instead, more deeply, it's that they realize that this Jewish Messiah, who I'm sure that many people would think at this point would want nothing to do with these rebellious half-breed Samaritans, they're now saying, look, we, we heard from him, and because of that, we now know that this Jesus is also for us as well. This, this Jesus isn't just for the seemingly faithful Jews in Jerusalem. No, he's for us. And for the whole world even. The point is that that personal understanding came to these Samaritans because they interacted with Jesus himself. Yes, they, they heard secondhand from the Samaritan woman and they believed, amen. But then when they heard from Jesus himself, they say they especially knew, and this is for us, for me, and even for the whole world. And in basic, I do think that in itself is a third thing here that in John 4 that going to God's word does to you and me. Because the reality is, hopefully many, most of us in this room do say we believe all this about Jesus, we trust it. Hopefully we say we know a lot of this. But still, we know we can subtly make all this about Jesus and about God something that's kind of distant from us. Sure, we might think it's impactful for other people, but we might think it's kind of removed from us. But... Do you know one thing that's really special that can happen as we more and more open our Bibles and hear from God consistently and build that relationship with him? Well, we do start to more and more get a sense that, wow, this personally is for me. We start to feel that this, this is not for only others or it's not for me because I happen to be thinking that I'm some second-rate Christian or because I struggle with this or that or because I'm new to the faith or because I don't seem as spiritual as that other person or because I'm from this or that background or whatever. Just like for them, they weren't outside of God's personal touch because they were Samaritans. Instead, when we encounter Jesus more and more in his word, we see this really is personally for me. Jesus is for me. And he's, in fact, along with that, he's for the whole world. Which, which quickly, by the way, does bring us full circle in this passage, doesn't it? Because I love this. Think about this. This passage started with the Samaritan woman sharing Jesus with evangelism. And because of that, others came to believe and know Jesus. And then they heard from Jesus himself. And then they did, though, they especially felt that it was for them. Which although, at the end, don't miss it, leads them to also, though, coming to realize that Jesus isn't just for them, but he's also for the whole world. Which therefore, I'm sure, also led them to go and tell others about Jesus, which then led the process to starting all over again. And, and so it is for you and I. We, we tell people about Jesus. We, we hope they believe and then they go to the word themselves. And when they do, they realize it's for them and for others. And they tell people about Jesus and on and on it goes. And so that's John 4, church. And that's our Bible reading passage for this year to come in 2024. And overall, let me just say personally and pastorally, I just hope, and I've been praying about this, I just hope that during all of that, 
Maybe at one point or multiple points. You didn't just hear new things or thought some of it was intriguing, but I've been praying that you were stirred on in your heart by the Spirit to really go from here and want to read the Bible more. That's the goal. Because really, it's so worth it. And so finally for this morning, to, to further stir us on and to further underline the importance of this book, let me end just with a quote that I recently found on this. a pretty long quote. And now just to set this up, just to be transparent on how I found this quote. So I was a youth pastor for a handful of years before this. And, and for those years, I learned that. I learned from a lot of research that they had done with youth students in the last handful of years that they'd proven basically over and over statistically that by far the number one thing that keeps students believing in the gospel and the Lord as they grow up is a real engagement with God's word. It's really interesting. So I'd seen statistics about that and, and so I was recently looking for similar statistics and in doing so though, I stumbled upon this that I'm about to read. And to be honest, this is even more striking and this applies as you'll see to all age groups. And so this is an article, this is from an article from Lifeway Research and listen to what they found in a really large t- statistical study. And this was written in 2021, so pretty recently. And I'm just going to read a pretty large portion of this article because it so illustrates the importance of consistently engaging in God's word. And so listen to this. The article says this. A recent study polled 40,000 people ages 8 to 80 to see how they were engaging in scripture. The Center of Bible Engagement compiled the extensive research findings and as they compiled the results, they made a profound discovery they were not even looking for when they originally planned the survey. The study indicated that when people engaged in scripture one time a week, which could include a pastor instructing their congregation to open your Bibles, there was negligible effect on some key areas of the life. The same result was true if people engaged in scriptures two times a week. The result equaled little to no effect. Three times a week saw a small indication of life. There was a slight pulse, a faint heartbeat. Something moved in the behavior of the person engaging in scripture. The eye opener happened when Bible engagement reached at least four times a week. A steady climb of impact would have been expected, but that was not the case. The level was basically stagnant over days one and two, a small bump on day three, but when day four was reached, the effects spiked in an astounding way. The the stunning findings included the following. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Discipling others jumps 230%. The research literally leaps off the charts. The findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences between people who engage the scriptures at least four times a week and those who engage with scripture left less often, end quote. It's amazing, isn't it? And that's because, brothers and sisters, God is real. (laughs) And he speaks in his word. Engaging with the Bible, with God's word, is engaging with God. (laughs) 
And so that is why it's such a source of life and life change while not doing so, of course, subtly hurts us. And so one last time, brothers and sisters, let's be a church full of people who read the word in our daily lives. Again, we will not understand everything. Let's read it, study it, pray over it. And if you need help on, on what to read, well, that's why the Bible reading plan is great. Or if that's just too much, just, just pick a book of the Bible and read it a few times. Or just please ask me, because seriously, this is way too important and too beautiful, beautiful of a book to be so intimidated by that you don't read it. And so again, whatever it takes, let's be people who individually, daily read God's word. Let's do it, both in this year to come in 2024 and throughout the rest of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.